You're listening to The Tactical Kitchen. I'm Melody Barron, certified chef and nutritional therapy practitioner. And I'm Steve Barron's 21-year special operations veteran and certified personal trainer. Together, we are here to share our experience on the ketogenic lifestyle. Don't forget our disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors, and we don't play them on the internet. Now, let's get ready to chew the fat. Mmm, bacon. Welcome to episode one of the Tactical Kitchen Podcast. Live from Rome, Texas. Right here in our tactical kitchen. Right. So this is our tactical kitchen. This is where we eat every day. 99.9% of the time, right? Right. So we're here today to talk to you about a ketogenic diet. And if you're brand new to the ketogenic diet, or if you've been in this like we have for quite some time, about three years now, Mm -hmm. um, this show could be for you. You want to tell them a little bit about yourself? My background, I did 21 years in the Air Force as a Special Operations Combat Controller. I retired about six years ago, and since then, I've got my certification as a personal trainer, and now I help train young men who are looking to come in the Air Force and join Special Operations. So I, I test them, I help them out with nutrition and workout plans to get better. So how is that going? A ton of fun. I really enjoy it. I enjoy working with the young men that are that are trying to join the Air Force. It's uh, frustrating at times because I see the effects of nutrition in our society and how it's affecting the physical abilities of the guys joining. So uh, we work with those guys and get them better, which the, the results have been pretty amazing. But it's a great job. I totally love it. Couldn't, it. couldn't ask for a better job. You had the opportunity to contribute to one of... Uh, the low-carb and ketogenic community's favorite organizations, the Nutritional Coalition. Correct. So just recently, I got to partner with the Nutrition Coalition and wrote an article about military preparedness and how our reserves of young men is shrinking uh, or who is qualified or able to join the Air Force and kind of point out that our nutritional guidelines are causing that physical degeneration. You know, a lot of people might not ever give any thought to the nutrition guidelines that are put out by the USDA. And a lot of people that have talked to me before have said, well, that doesn't really concern me because I don't even know what they are. But they do affect us all because when you go into the military, you are required, they are required to feed you according to those USDA guidelines. Correct. So the food you see in the chow hall, the food you see in the meals ready to eat, the MREs, all that is a trickle-down effect from what the USDA recommends. So if they're recommending a low-fat, high-carbohydrate diet, you're going to get a low-fat, high-carbohydrate diet in the chow hall, uh, in our schools, mm-hmm. in hospitals. All those places have to follow those guidelines. So what they dictate does affect us all as far as nutrition goes. Exactly. You know, uh, looking at that from the standpoint of just your everyday citizen, we can actually make a change there. We can post a link on how they can go and comment on those guidelines because the new guidelines are actually coming up in 2020. They redo them or review them 
every five years. So this will be the new review in 2020. So we can make sure that our listeners and viewers have the opportunity to let their voice be heard. Right. If you're already following a ketogenic diet or you've assumed a low carb, low carbohydrate diet and a little more fat, uh, and you and that's what you believe should work, then you need to, your voice needs to be heard. Right. And all the stories that we can gather from people who it's made a difference in your life, we want to make sure that you are able to post those stories that go directly to the people who are actually making those decisions. And it's like casting your vote. It is. So if you're, if you're interested and you're here because you are, um, what are some benefits of following a ketogenic diet? What, do you, what, what can you expect to see? Well, the first thing you can expect to see is blood sugar regulation. Um, that was a big thing for me because, you know, Steve was a combat controller in the military and, of course, being fed by the USDA guidelines. But then when he married me, I was a baker and a chef. So I was making things with lots of sugar and lots of flour, and we had homemade bread every day. And I'm not going to lie, those things are delicious, and I really enjoyed being a part of that uh, profession. But when I started my day at 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock in the morning with buttercream, I soon realized that this couldn't continue for very long. Um it really wreaked havoc in my body from everything from blurred vision, from hypoglycemic episodes, which if you don't know what hypoglycemia is, it's when your blood sugar goes too low. Um, then just yeast infections and hormonal acne, all these things that happen. So when we started eating this way, the biggest benefit that I had very first thing was that blood sugar regulation. And the, and the effects at that time, uh, the effects that I was seeing from the traditional diet was weight gain, low energy, brain fog, uh, not having you know the same mental clarity that you've been used to in the past. All those things start happening when your body will no longer put up with the diet that you're eating. So changing to a ketogenic diet improved a lot of those. The first thing I saw was weight loss. I lost about 15 pounds in the first month. Yeah, it was actually really frustrating for me watching him because ladies... We don't lose weight like that sometimes on a ketogenic diet, and we will get into that later, but it sometimes works much differently for females, and there's a lot of reasons for that, and your body is super smart, but guys tend to lose weight very quickly. We do. We're lucky that way, and that's because we don't have kids, so we don't have to hold on to that body fat. We're not going to create another human inside of us, so we can be much leaner than a woman can. It, well, yeah, I guess so. Well, Sad women, women can be lean. They but. can. We can, but it does have some detrimental, detrimental and deleterious effects on our body because I have gotten down so thin that I have lost my menstrual cycle, uh, amenorrhea, um, and just an, a lot of hormonal issues that come from that, from getting too thin. And the best thing I have found about the ketogenic diet is that for women, your body really finds its happy place. Hormone balance. Hormone balance. And sometimes what I would like to say about weight loss, especially for women, is that your body's happy weight might not be your ideal weight in your head. And that is something that we would like to definitely work on with women. Right. The worst thing our society does is we push skinny as healthy. Mm. And being skinnier does not always equate to being healthier. 
And you see it all the time, especially in the health and wellness profession. Yes. A lot of skinny people really are not healthy. So don't equate skinny with healthy. Equate how you feel and how your blood work comes out as, as healthy. Exactly. Um, you know, I, I remember the first time that I heard how much blood sugar you could actually have, how mm-hmm. much sugar in your blood was actually allowed by your body. I was amazed. It's not very much. It's one teaspoon. So one teaspoon, about five grams? About four and a half, five grams, somewhere in there. Everybody kind of throws out a little bit different number, but when you're splitting grams, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Let's say one teaspoon. Right. So if you're reading labels at the store and you pick up, let's say, a box of Cheerios, Honey Nut Cheerios, and look at how much sugar is in that box, it's probably the equivalent of what you would, for one serving, will probably be about the equivalent of what you would need in maybe... A week. It's, you know, astronomical. I remember when, you know, I haven't, I haven't had soft drinks since I was a teenager. I really gave up that a long time ago, thankfully, but I had plenty of other kinds of sugar. That's for sure. But I remember, you know, even being at the store with you and every now and again, just to remind ourselves, we'll pick up a Coke and look at the back of the Coke bottle. And it's not even for one Coke bottle. The bottle is two or two and a half servings. servings, and it'll be 45 grams of sugar for that one serving. And when you think about that, that's eight teaspoons of sugar. So imagine what you're doing to your body when you put that much sugar in it at one time. Now you will become accustomed to it. Your body will adjust uh, from the first time you had the Coke until you've had Coke for years. But you have to understand there's still damage going on. And that's one of the first things when you start looking at a ketogenic diet, you cut out is sugar. And the first thing you'll notice is mental clarity. Right. And you just start to feel better. Now you're going to have a few days where (laughs) it's going to be bad. So you've probably heard of the carb flu or the keto flu. It's a real thing. And, but it is electrolyte imbalance. So a lot of the reasons that people get that is because when they change their diet mm-hmm. dramatically and they go from all this stuff they had to to changing what they're putting in their body, your electrolytes can be out of balance. So you really right. have to concentrate up front on balancing your electrolytes with an electrolyte drink, uh, adding real salt, not fake salt, right? And, and doing that. And that will cut down on the amount of carb flu or keto flu that you experience. Exactly. And, you know, let's just face it. Sugar is like a drug. I, I mean, I I really believe what Dr. Yudkin said, you know, pure, white, and deadly. I believe that. It is pure, white, and deadly. And it comes in so many forms and so many names that it's hard for people to, at first, identify all the sugars that are actually in a food label because they disguise it in so many ways to just put it in there. And the reason why is because they've taken the fat out of so much food and fat. And as a chef, this is where it comes in for me. Fat carries flavor. And when you take that fat out of a food, then you have to replace it with something to give it some taste. And typically in all of our processed foods in the store, that is going to be sugar and all of its hidden forms. Right. So when you, when you eat a lower fat diet, you almost automatically eat a higher sugar diet. It just goes hand in hand. It does. Like she said, you can't make low-fat products that taste good and not be high in sugar. It, it's really, really difficult to do. 
But once you get past that and you get through your uh, three or four days of adjustment, the one thing you're going to notice is increased energy. Yes, absolutely. Increased energy. The mental clarity comes along with that because it's like the fog. I always think of Joe versus the volcano where he has the brain, you know, he's talking about the brain cloud. And, you know, I had a brain cloud for years. I really did because, you know, when you're 28 or 30 and you can't remember what you did yesterday or you can't remember where you sat something down, that's that's a brain cloud. <laughs> it is a brain cloud. And and what most of us do at that age is we, we overstimulate and, yes. and we don't rest enough. We do both of those. Absolutely. And, you know, I do remember at that age, I think I was telling you this earlier that, you know, when we are overstimulating, we're actually draining our adrenal glands and then we have blood sugar regulation issues because of that as well. So probably from 1996 or 98 until just like 2015, probably I was you know, overstimulating during the day and then not sleeping well at night because your adrenal glands are just worn out and then doing the same thing every day. And that causes insulin resistance eventually. Eventually, your body gives out. And that's what happened to me. I was up until 40. Physically, I was fit. I could stay very fit. I just worked out harder and longer. That's what I did. <laughs> and you do that to a certain point, but your body will give up on you and it will start to revolt. And that's what happened to me and it was what led us to try you know, a, a ketogenic diet so we could get healthier. And exactly. It, and it changed everything. Yeah. All of a sudden, I didn't have a brain cloud anymore. It was probably awesome for you. <laughs> so increased energy. Yes, that was a huge part of it. And it's it's this different kind of energy. It's not the I'm jacked up on caffeine energy. It is a very steady, stable, I can do things. I have an even flow of energy. It's not I took a pre-workout. I took pre-workouts to get going. The the harder it got to, to stay in shape, the more pre-workouts and supplements I took, which only uh, caused more problems. Because that's which, usually caffeine. That's usually caffeine <laughs> and all kinds of other stimulants. And that's what led us to start trying different diets because mm-hmm. what, we, what we were doing would just not work anymore. Mm-mm. And, you know, by the time, like... 2012 rolled around, I guess. We were really heavy into it. We were starting to eat, cutting out desserts a little bit, not all the time. <laughs> but I used to make a mean red velvet cake. Oh, yeah. So Delicious. let's not talk about that. But we were cutting out sugar and really going for more of a paleo style, whole foods approach. But I noticed that things, some things that I was struggling with just weren't getting that much better well, at first. We worked out twice a day. We would do, in the morning, we would do 45 minutes of insanity yeah, or, or some, some other type of, hit of type workout hit program. And then, in the, and then I would go lift sometimes. And also in the afternoon, we'd do more cardio. We'd go run or do another hit workout. So twice a day and I was seeing minimal results. It just got harder and harder. Uh, when compared to now where it seems like I'll work out half as much, if that, and my results are very consistent. I don't have to work hard to stay in shape, which is phenomenal. That's what you want. A huge benefit of the ketogenic diet. Huge. Yes. It's a big payoff for a little bit of effort, honestly. Um, When we started doing this, though, we were still eating a paleo-style diet, and we really advocate real whole foods. That's something that I 
just personally, I'm not a fan of any processed foods. I want real food. And as a chef, I go back to that. Um, and now a nutritional therapy practitioner, that's really married those two things for me because I want food to taste like the food that it is. I don't want to cover it in another flavor or try to make a piece of fish taste like something else or a steak taste like something else. I want the food to shine. Mm -hmm. And so that's how we approach our eating. It's real. It's fresh. It's a, a single ingredient, typically, like beef or egg or, you know, the butter might have some salt in it, but it's typically made of cream. So that kind of whole food approach, when we started taking out more and more carbs, which we never intended to be ketogenic. No, we got here. It was a journey. It wasn't a decision we made one day. It was a journey uh, over a period of time to where we got to be a, to a ketogenic lifestyle. Where we eventually cut out that red velvet cake. Eventually... No more red velvet. And, you know, I played around with making a lot of different paleo desserts and low-carb desserts for a long time. But the more we have traveled down this path, the more I've noticed that I just don't need that sweetness, mm -hmm. that sugar anymore, that taste in my mouth of sweet food. And a lot of times just... Something that would not, is not even really sweet kind of gives you that feeling. Butter gives me that feeling. I love butter. I can taste the sweetness of the cream in the butter. And as we have gone down this path and we started cutting out all those foods, I started noticing my digestion was getting better. Right, because eating a lot of sugar and carbohydrates causes some extreme uh, digestive dysfunction, if you will, mm -hmm. with sugar contributes to candida overgrowth. Which I had. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I had some issues with that. I had that. One of the signs of that that some people may or may not be familiar with is that what you might think is hormonal acne sometimes is actually an, an adult acne brought on by candida. And so when I got rid of sugar, I got rid of yeast infections. I got rid of hormonal or candida derived adult breakouts, mm -hmm. um, which was fantastic because I would get those sometimes on my back. And then in the summer you were like, we lived in Florida at the time and I didn't want to wear a sundress or anything if it was going to expose that. So you become a little self-conscious and getting rid of that is very freeing. You know, it's a big bonus as just a human. <laughs> well, when you start to put healthy fats in your gut, it starts to heal. Yeah. So all the sugar and carbs that do a, a lot of damage, when you start putting healthy fats in there, your gut starts to heal. Absolutely. And that's one thing that a ketogenic diet really does work on is what we know as uh, gut permeability or intestinal permeability, also heard thrown around as leaky gut. Mm -hmm. And leaky gut is one of those things that somebody's walking around and they don't even really realize that they have it. They don't know that it's there, but all the signs and symptoms look different on different people. Right, because we're all different. So we can, we can have the same uh, malady, if you will, but it will show differently in our bodies. And a lot of times those leaky gut 
issues can, if left untreated or unaddressed, can later in life after a long term can equal an autoimmune disease. And there's oh, like 90 different autoimmune diseases. And one of those diseases that it can be associated with leaky gut is Parkinson's disease. And that's just one that's near and dear to my heart because that's what my father passed away with, my father's sister, my father's uncle, my uncle by marriage. Um, it just goes through my family like crazy. And that was something I was concerned about. Right. Future health. That's why people look to a ketogenic diet because they hear how, how healthy it is and how beneficial it can be. So they look to the diet to stave off those future illnesses. Right. Now, um, one thing you'll have to keep track of or be aware of is that if you hear this great news and you rush out and I want to eat a ketogenic diet, <laughs> what you can't do is go from eating a standard diet to eating all the fat in one day. We've had people do that. It's a great idea and seems in theory, hey, let's get started on this journey right now and eat all the fat and I'll be healthy. But there's going to be some digestive issues that come along with just eating all the fat in one day. Yeah, we call that the rumbling in the tummy area there. It sends people to the restroom for a few hours sometimes. It's going to adjust your stool to where it just comes on out. You have the tube that goes from your mouth down to your rectum, and it's just a, it's just a windy tube. And when you put fat in there that you haven't been consuming regularly, your body just can't absorb all that fat at once. Right. Your, your intestines have fat receptors, and if they're not already readily taking in fat, they have to adjust, and that does not happen overnight. So mm. start slow, maybe change one meal the first week. Right, like we said, we didn't we did not ever intend to be ketogenic. It just happened over time and I'm so glad that it did. Um, but if you're brand new to this and you're a cold turkey person like I am with most things, this would maybe be the thing that you want to just cold turkey one meal a day for <laughs> a few weeks, a couple of weeks. Get used to that amount of fat, then start with the second meal of your day. You might find very quickly that you don't need more than one or two meals a day. Right, because when you start eating a ketogenic diet, one thing you notice is hunger control. Hunger control. You are not hungry like you were before. Oh, there's a train. There's our train. We live by the train tracks. We live in a small town. We kind of like it. It's quaint, cool. We hear the train often. It doesn't ever even wake me up at night. No, I used to it now. I sleep right through it. It's kind of weird. You know, we grew up in the same small town, too. Other small town around here, and we also had a train track there. Mm -hmm. I've been around a train track my entire life. Yeah, so it's... It's actually comforting. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's it's gone gone now. Yeah. All right, so uh, hunger control. You're not going to be hungry like you were if you eat a lot of sugar and carbohydrates. And it's really not hungry as, as... as much as a, a blood glucose problem where you go you know, up here and then you're down here and everybody knows hangry. Down here is hangry. <laughs> I, I got it a lot when I was, when I was uh, working out a lot and eating a lot of sugar and carbs. I would get hangry and it's not a great feeling. And that just goes away, which also coincides with the brain fog going away because you get brain fog when you're hypoglycemic. So hunger control is something that is liberating for some people. Because, you know... I had that hypoglycemic episode situation that you're mentioning, and I would get so what I thought was hungry that I would get shaky 
and I would feel nauseated. My vision would kind of blur. I would get a headache, and I thought I was hungry. But what I now know is that that was a blood sugar dip so low that it was causing those severe symptoms in my body. And I wasn't really hungry as much as I was in just need of regulating that blood sugar. Mm-hmm. And that's a struggle for your body. Your body is always trying to keep that blood sugar in a certain window. So when it's always doing this, your body is just out of whack. So you, you know, you have to manage that. And when you do a ketogenic diet, hunger control, you and that blood sugar control, it feels great. It does. You're never, you're not a slave to food anymore. You have to worry about where am I? When I when do I eat my next meal? What am I going to eat in the next two hours? Because man, I'm hungry. Uh, it just goes away and you have hunger control. Right. And, you know, we, we've helped hundreds of people transition to a ketogenic diet. And one of the best just statements that I have ever heard from anyone was when one of our people who we helped uh, told me, you know, this is the first time in my life that I'm in control of the food. The food isn't in control of me. And that's a big deal for a lot of people. It's a huge it's a huge deal because when you are governed by food it's you have to eat every so often you have to you know I used to be one of those people that took my food with me everywhere I know you were Mhm oh yeah So I, well we won't talk about when I would be making lunch and you would come in and you would hit the pantry to get snacks. My wow. snack area. <laughs> I had my own snack area in the pantry that had all my little peanut butter crackers and my little bag of chips. and Notice um, everything was sugar. <laughs> my vanilla wafers. Uh, that was my snack area. Nobody got into there. That was for me. And I hit it all the time because I had that up and down of blood sugar levels and I needed to you know, eat something now or I was, I was going to yeah. get mad. It's yes, true. maybe get mad. So, is you know, is the ketogenic diet ready? Is it right for everyone? That's something we get asked a lot. And we don't come out and and get militant and say everyone must eat a ketogenic diet. We don't feel that way. We feel that it's worked wonders for us, and we want to share that information. Now, who should or should not try a ketogenic diet? Personally, I think everybody should try all kinds of diets to see what works best for you. But if you're, you know, if you're a an, a lean 20, early 30-year-old person and you have no blood sugar issues and you're in fine health, there's no reason you have to go out and try a ketogenic diet unless you just want to. However, though, if you're maybe overweight, have type 2 diabetes, you have uh, blood sugar issues, it's, this is something that, you, that really you should experiment with. Absolutely. And, you know, is some people ask us, is it right for kids? Well, we see a lot of kids now who have attention deficit disorder or, you know, some sort, some form of autism. Asperger's. Or, yes. And, and we have personal experience here. Um, we know that for children who are especially suffering in that way with uh, attention disorders or issues or behavioral issues. Sensory processing disorders. Yes. That this way of eating, it will regulate the brain activity. It helps with all of those processes in the brain and neurotransmissions. And when you, you take away the sugar 
from a kid, you're going to have some days where it's really difficult. It's harder than when it, than for adults, you know, because they maybe aren't going to express it the same way as an adult with. There's been crying in our house. Adults, there, adults usually don't throw themselves on the floor and kick and scream. I've seen it. <laughs> Sometimes they do. I've, I've been known to do that. But kids just, they, they don't understand. So you have to be the parent. If this is something you want to do, you are the parent. You control the food. Do not give us the excuse of, my child does not like that. If you want to make a change, you put your foot down and make the change. Military. Military, right there. Right there. That's the military. Nutritional see the, therapy. See the knife hand come out? <laughs> yes. The nutritional therapist will take you through a slow program to help your family assimilate to this style of eating. The military man here will just say, stop doing it. Well, but to the point, we think it's great for kids. Absolutely. Our, our kid does it. Uh, it works great for him. He will tell you how he emotionally he's very stable. Uh, he was not like that before. We had emotional outbreaks all the time. That goes away. So, yes. and, there, and, and there is no uh, negative health issues you have to worry about if you're feeding your child a ketogenic diet. If you're, if you're sticking with those whole foods. A properly formulated ketogenic yes, diet. Yes, and it's not junk food keto because just like with low-carb, gluten-free, paleo, everything, there's junk food out there. There and is. And there's going to be junk food that comes out with the ketogenic diet because it is actually a very popular search right now. So, yes, it it is... Maybe not right for every single person if you're completely healthy and have no issues, but if you have any issues with blood sugar especially, give this a try. At least what I always say, what's right for everyone, cut out processed foods and cut out sugar. So if you're into uh, macronutrients, you can look at what what is a macronutrient breakdown of a ketogenic diet because there's, there's paleo, which is a whole food diet, great. There's low carb, which is you're taking your carbohydrates down from what you're used to, and then there's ketogenic, so they're different. And the macronutrient breakdown are, is also different. So a low carb diet is when you go from, you know, say you're eating 150 grams of carbs or 200 grams of carbs a day, and you bring that down, and now you get to 75 to 100 grams. That's that's low carb, okay? And you're eating um, moderate protein and moderate fat in there. Most time, if you're if you're doing that, your fat is still probably around. 30% of your diet, maybe. When you get to ketogenic, now you're taking those carbohydrates down below 20 grams a day. That's what you're trying to get. You still have moderate protein, so it's uh, in there about 20 to 25% of your diet, and the rest, all fat. Okay? And a lot of people wonder, how in the world do you get that much fat in your food, in your diet? How do you eat that much fat? I think people have the assumption that we're just kicking back and drinking bottles of some sort of oil or something. I'll tell you how I eat it. I sit at the table, and then it appears on the plate, and I eat it. <laughs> it's like magic. <laughs> I live with the with a chef, so for me, I'm spoiled. It's easy for me. I don't have to sit down and think about how I'm going to craft my macronutrients. I just eat... We eat together, so it's easy. Right. And we are really far removed from counting macronutrients. And if you're new, that might be something that you want to do and that you need to do so you understand portions, understand ratios. Um, a good program to do that is like MyFitnessPal or MyMacros. Uh, I think it's the app. So there are some really good programs out there to help you do that. However, what we want people to do is get to what we call this innate eating. So where it's intuitive and 
it's going to be difficult for some people to get there very quickly because a lot of people really like to count and then some people really don't know portions and there's sometimes a learning curve there. So if you need to count, we're totally for you. We're not going to say you shouldn't. We in fact say maybe that's a great idea for a little while. But what we look at is um, if you're looking at fat, let's talk about some of the types of fats that we really enjoy. Okay. Well, since again, chef, I'll let the chef talk about all the fat. Well, we really love butter for one. Butter. And when we're talking butter, we're not talking anything but real real grass-fed butter. Now, you're going to... Not country crock of butter, or I can't believe it's not butter because I can't believe they sell it in stores. Okay, so I'm going to get on a soapbox for just a moment. We did see a video, and I'm not even going to say who, just if you've seen it, you'll know. We did see someone talking about ketogenic diets, and they were showing all the food that you should get, and the, the fat that they had was country crock. And I literally almost fell on the floor. I was just They were like, trying to do the right thing. They were showing you, you can eat butter. It was the wrong kind of butter. It, uh, horrible kind of butter. It's not butter. It's not butter at all. Um, it's terrible fats that are very bad for you. So the butter, it should be... Ideally grass-fed, and ideally, if we could find from unpasteurized uh, milk, I would do that. We usually use Kerrygold. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a great butter. It's very uh, has a high butter fat content, and it's it just cooks well. It tastes great. But any butter that you can find that the ingredient is cream or cream and salt. I would say go for it. You're going to be able to find butter almost anywhere you go um, by according to your means. Another good source of fat is avocados. They have a great source of fiber that a lot of people don't know that they're full of fiber. And potassium. And potassium. And so they're wonderful for you and they're a great source of monounsaturated fats and they taste delicious. Yes. Coconut oil. Um, I'm not a big user. We use a little bit of MCT oil. I'd really rather get my fat from lard, uh, bacon fat, you know. Um, I would rather get it in a fatty piece of meat or with extra butter on it or egg yolks. Egg yolks are a fantastic form of fat and nutrition. Eggs cooked in butter is pretty much a, a perfect little meal. Absolutely perfect. So the types of those are types of fats. Bad fats or canola oil. Anything on the shelf in a clear oil. bottle that has been sitting there that was made from a seed or a nut or um, any kind of yeah any seed nut cotton seed or, oil yeah. all that stuff. Those are all bad fats. They're they're very high in omega sixes, and you'll always hear them say that that's good for you. Omega six is good for you. It is in the right form. That's not it. And here is the thing. Those are called PUFAs, polyunsaturated fatty acids. And the reason why they're bad is because those are very unstable fats. And when you put a heat on those items that those fats are derived from, they oxidize. And this is bad because when you eat that fat, it's already in a rancid form in your body. And so it's just not doing anything. It's increasing inflammation. And omega-6 is an essential fatty acid. And the reason why they tell you those fats are good for you is because they don't contain cholesterol. And you get omega-6 fats from almost everything you eat 
Every food contains it. You're getting plenty if you're eating real food. Right. And the, those those oils are very oxidative, uh, very bad for you, and create a, a high level omega-6 in your system, and it puts your omega-3, omega-6 uh, ratio out of whack, and that's what you don't want. You get it from omega-6. It's from regular foods. You don't need it from... Uh, crappy processed vegetable oils we call them ios industrial oils industrialized oils right stay away so from them. if you're curious about the process of making something like canola oil then i would just say go to youtube and look it up there's a really great video on there of how they process canola oil which is made from rapeseed which sounds horrible already and you can see the process where they use like all these chemicals and bleaching agents, and they have to do things to make it not stink to where you can bear to even just eat it. And then that goes in a bottle and sits on the shelf, and you're told it's healthy for you. Don't don't go there. So uh, the last thing we'll talk about is supplementation. If you if you're doing a ketogenic diet, uh, what type of supplements should you think about? Well, you're definitely going to going to want to work on your electrolyte balance. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're eating whole foods. You might not want to just throw a bunch of supplements at yourself. You you want to know what your body needs. Now, as a nutritional therapy practitioner, that is what I do. I, I, when I do a functional evaluation on someone, we can pinpoint nutrients that they need and that their body really needs through a a process called lingual neural testing after a functional evaluation and gathering all this information. But Almost across the board, someone who's ketogenic, when they start, they're going to need that electrolyte balance. Right. So to find an electrolyte drink, preferably with no sugar, because they're, they're, they're not easy to find. So an or, electrolyte drink or just you, add salt. You can add salt or you can take a multi-mineral supplement mm-hmm. that is not full of any fillers or anything like that. Get a good uh, electrolyte supplement. They come in tabs. They come in drops. Uh, you can get the drink. Not everybody would want that because it has a sweetener uh, like stevia in it. And some people that are ketogenic don't don't even do that. Um, but the electrolyte balance is really key. Yeah, real salt, uh, some electrolyte drink, that'll help you stay. Again, we talked about the carb flu, keto flu, that'll help you get through that. Uh, and then you can bring that in and out to see how you feel. Exactly. You know, if you get cramps in your leg at night, that's a big sign that you have an electrolyte imbalance. Right. So you, you got to keep on top of the electrolytes. They are not optional. Um, so I think that's about it, unless you have more. We can save it for next time. Thanks for listening to the Tasco Kitchen. Hit subscribe and leave us a review. Don't forget to send your questions to btkquestions at gmail.com and visit our website, thetacticalkitchen.com.